everybody. Welcome back to Linux Cast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Tyler. Yes, he is. And this is the Linux Cast. We talk about Linuxy things. Now, one thing that you should know before we get started too far into this thing is that we're having very high winds outside my house. Uh, probably better than having high winds inside the house, but uh, not that much better. Uh, anyways, the lights have dimmed, so if you notice the podcast just ends. It's a short podcast because there's no more electricity, and unfortunately, I don't have like a you know a backup generator or anything like that. And even if I did, the the internet wouldn't work, right? So, uh, anyways, yep. just FYI, if that happens, I'm knocking on some wood, but they've already done, dimmed once more since we started you know talking. Anyways, so Tyler, my friend, my bud, what have you been doing on Linux this week? Well, um, since since it has to be what I've been doing in Linux, um, I did try Fedora this week. And by try Fedora, I mean when I was having all my um, – for anybody who watches my channel, I, I talked about how I was having some um, issues with OpenBSD and it properly utilizing my motherboard and letters and stuff. Um and so when I was having all those issues, I loaded into Fedora for like five minutes um, and checked to make sure everything was working fine. And it was. But also, I'm not keen on using Fedora. Like, I don't have any problems with Fedora at all. But going back to GNOME and or just Fedora in general, oh, man, love OpenBSD. I'm but that's happy, what I did in Linux this week. I'm happy that you've discovered a home in BSD. I'm sad that it's not Linux because it makes me sad uh, because it feels like you're abandoning the brotherhood. <laughs> I, I have not left the hood yet. Okay, I still come home. All right, I'm, st- I'm, I'm still I'm still in the hood occasionally, but you know I leave. You're you're the, you're the college student that only comes home because mom still does his laundry. You're home just long enough for the load to finish, and then you're back off to wherever you need to go. <laughs> I, I, lo- I love that analogy. Just going home for the laundry. <laughs> okay. Anyone who's ever lived on campus, like as a, in, a, like in a university, I guarantee every single person has, has done that, that, you know, has the opportunity to do so. Like, <laughs> like first of all, uh, doing your own laundry in a college dorm just fucking sucks. It's, it's not so fun. bad. Because uh, you have got to stay there and watch the thing. Otherwise, you come back, your clothes are either gone or... Or they're spread all over the place because somebody's a douchebag. Like you know, it's it's just always gonna happen. All right. <laughs> uh, I I have a proposition for you in terms of uh, change to the podcast. Normally we would talk about this off the air, but uh, instead of saying what have you been up to in Linux this week, let's just say what have you been up to in Unix this week. And the girl from Jurassic Park can be our mascot. Oh, it's Unix. I know this. <laughs> I have had that posted so much. So much. It was funny when it came out. <laughs> like, it was funny when it happened. And now it's it's still funny. Like, no. Okay. So, for me, uh, that way, what I'm doing now can also be considered, you know, Linux. But, so, 
a few months ago, I talked about how I was switching away from Android to iOS. It's something I do every two or three years, uh, and just so I can kind of keep up on, you know, how good each of the platforms are. And I uh, didn't make it two or three years this time because iOS is just, I mean, it was, it has some good points. Like the applications on iOS are for the most part better than on Android, better designed, better functioning. For the most part, it feels that way. Outside of that, though, God, notifications are so bad on iOS. They're just so bad. <laughs> like, I can't even explain how bad iOS notifications are. They do have, like, actionable notifications now, which is something that they've, you know, obviously had for a while. But they're only actionable when they pop up. So once they disappear into your notification shade, you can no longer do anything with them other than dismiss them. And they have this weird like bifurcation of recentness on their no in their notification shades. So some of them are below a cut where you can delete all of them. Like you can dismiss all of them. Some of them are above the cut where you have to delete them one by one. Like what? That doesn't make any sense at all. When I have 400 notifications, I just want to get rid of them all. I don't give a shit what's in there. Like it, mm -hmm. it, it, it could be death notifications. It, it could be Amber alerts. I don't care. Just get rid of it. There's too many of them to go through. It doesn't matter. I don't want to know any of this stuff. Just get rid of them. Look, that's something none of us, <laughs> none of us would, I, I don't think would say with that much confidence, but we all know that we all agree. Like if you've okay. had an Amber alert. Just no one cares. Just piss off. I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm not going to see the gray gray sedan. I'm, I'm just I'm first not. of all, if it's an amber alert, you've heard that thing sound off. We've already heard it. Like I I looked at it already. Second of all, if it's a death notification and you text message me that somebody died, what the fuck? Like, like, yeah, just fuck you. Come like, on, like, man. Like, like, oh, oh, auntie's dead. Oh no. Lol. I mean, what the. I mean, Give so me bad. a call. Uh, I, mean, I mean, what would like? That's this generation for you. It had probably it's probably gonna have emojis. It like has a little skull oh. emoji. God, no. <laughs> I don't, don't want to live in a world where people like a close relative <laughs> die and you get a notification with an emoji in it. Like, come on, no. <laughs> like it's just. Like God. So, anyways, the notification <laughs> that went. I don't even know where that Way went. Off. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, the the notifications on iOS are just really bad, and there's a few things that were just driving me nuts with the iPhone. Now, one thing I will say is that the iPhone hardware is fantastic. Like Apple, if we could put Android on the iPhone, that'd be spectacular because the hardware is really, really good. Um, but anyways, I ended up switching back to Android. I ended up with a like a used Galaxy S21, and um, yeah, Android is so much better in terms of like notifications and stuff. There are a few applications. So did you sell your iPhone? No, it's still right here. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, no. So see, because well, I know eventually I'm gonna have the urge to switch back to iOS again just to see if it got better. If I keep this, I can just put my SIM card in it and say, hey. It still sucks. Going back to Android, you know. Um, and honestly, I had that plan originally, but I ended up. I had two Android phones. I had the OnePlus Six and OnePlus Seven T, but I ended up giving them to my mom and dad because their iPhones went to shit. So I couldn't just put my uh, SIM card back in the Android phones that I had. So I ended up having to buy a new one. But 
Um, this time. So you, you mean to say that you had people that you know that have iPhones that aged and bit the dust? Yeah. Like there was there huh. like iPhone sixes or whatever, and like my dad keeps really good care of his phone and it's like whatever. I mean I, he drops it every once in a while, but like a normal person. My mother, <laughs> she does not keep good care of her phones at all. <laughs> like, um, like she, I mean, she has really, like, I mean, obviously nobody cares about this, but she has, like, really dry skin, so she's always using, like, hand cream. And when you use, like, hand cream on, like, one of those phones, it gets gunky. She never cleans it, so it's really bad. And, uh, the, the, like, the iPhone 6 and 6S or whatever were not water-resistant whatsoever, so that stuff was all over the place. It was not good. Um, and you used it for a while and I got like, to, felt like it was going to catch on fire. So it was, it was time for something new. <laughs> so it was probably like cocoa butter, just like all up in that phone. Yeah, it was just, it was not good. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I switched back to Android and, uh, I'm happy again. So, uh, moving on to the contact information. If you'd like to get a hold of us at, uh, you could do so at the, I don't even know what I'm talking about. I really need to go through and redo this because this is obviously <laughs> in totally the wrong order. Uh, you can contact us via pretty much everything at thelinuxcast.org slash contact. Thelinuxcast.org is the website where you'll find blog posts that I'd never update. You can find links to our most recent ep- episodes, which is like two or three episodes behind because I have not been updating it because, <laughs> God, I forget. Work. Yeah, I, 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 I can't even blame laziness on this. I just forget about it. Um, but anyways, I, I'll try to keep that updated uh, better. Uh, anyways, you can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash linuxcast. You can su- uh, subscribe to Tyler on YouTube, who, who goes by Zany, at youtube.com slash zanyog. Uh, you got called out on DistroTube yesterday, so did you get a few new subscribers? I did. I did. Cool. Yeah. And we, al- we also have quite a few uh, people who have now joined the IRC, even though I'm not in there right now. Again, someone had some crashes happen right before I started live streaming last night, and then polished off like a almost an entire jar of moonshine. So, <laughs> kinda didn't do anything this morning. Like maybe tr- try to not really get out of bed until like 20 minutes before the podcast was even supposed to happen. It was a it was a rough morning to say the least. <laughs> maybe just a half of jar of moonshine next time. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully less. <laughs> uh, a- anyways, you can subscribe to the Linuxcast at youtube.com slash the Linuxcast. As you can tell, we are not very interested in staying on topic today. <laughs> just no. just going to put that out there. But it's okay. If you've listened to the podcast before, you'll know that this is not a new phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that goes on quite often. Anyway, so Tyler, every single week, we scour the internet. For breaking news, we do. and this is the only place in the world that you'll ever hear see this news. It's very timely, and uh, and it's definitely not, you know, rel. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely relevant. I can't even fucking talk. You don't. I was gonna go for a lead in. It didn't. It doesn't matter. Uh, for so Tyler, your news. What the fuck is your news? <laughs> Look, so I have scoured the internet. I have found the most delicious, the most juicy, the most uh, secretive information. So, did you know that Linux Mint 
is going to be based off of Ubuntu for the next release. <laughs> Man, shocker. <laughs> Same. I, I actually believe that I, I read. So the title of this article is Linux Mint 21 Vanessa will be based on Ubuntu 22.04 LTS. New upgrade tool in the works. I did not read past the Ubuntu part. Like I didn't read the 22.04 and all, all the rest of the title. And I was, I, I just read it as that. And I was like, what? Duh. Who wrote this article? Exclusive. And then I, <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, wow. Shocker. <laughs> but, um, they are, so Linux Mint is working on a upgrade tool that I, I thought they already had a decent upgrade tool, but um, apparently they are trying to like make a much more um, full-featured graphical version. So um, it's going to be uh, they're, they're going to have in this upgrade tool localization in various languages. Um, they're going to go. They're going to do some adding of the ability to perform more checks to ensure the upgrade process goes smoothly specifically with um, ppas and stuff like that so yeah ah makes sense makes sense um and then they also want to preserve the user's choice of mirrors which i like um that's actually solid um now granted this is something that i will say with linux mint and i definitely want to talk about this with you matt is it is it insane of me to to think that isn't there already like pretty good upgrade tools for Ubuntu? I in, like Linux Mint. Okay, so I don't know about Ubuntu because Ubuntu I just always use the terminal. But for Linux Mint, they do have an upgrade tool, but I don't know what it looks like. I'm pretty sure that it's also in the terminal. I think that's the oh, reason okay. why they're using it, doing a GUI now. Uh, also, it's pretty bare bones from what I remember. Um, now you got to remember, not the biggest Linux Mint person in the world. So <laughs> obviously, <laughs> I've never stuck around on, on Ubuntu long enough to actually, or Linux Mint long enough to actually have to do this. But I know people who have, and their experience has been mostly basically the same as it used to be on, on Ubuntu. But the point is, is that this one here. One of the things that you experience on all Ubuntu-based distros when you use PPAs is that those PPAs are signed for specific versions of Ubuntu. So if it's not for Groovy Gorilla and you're on Groovy, Groovy Gorilla, you know, you uh, it won't work, right? None of your software will be able to be updated. The PPAs will be broken. That's one of the reasons why the PPAs suck, right, is because they're always they're attached to that version of Ubuntu. And I use Groovy Gorilla because that's the only Ubuntu name that I can pronounce. Yeah, and I was about, uh, and that's why I was laughing when you said it. So I'm like, God, like just you say Ubuntu like names and just out of context, and just like, what are you talking about, man? Nobody knows what the word her sweet means. Okay, if you even if that's even how you pronounce her her sweet hippo, um, yeah, I don't know what the the one for 22.04 is gonna be, but I'm assuming it's gonna be really bad. Um, but th- I mean, that's that. that, that, that's th- that's kind of their thing is to choose really bad names. That's the reason why I loved Groovy Gorilla because Groovy Gorilla was a freaking good name, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, you could say it. It was even a. Well, I was gonna say even they even had a good wallpaper, but no, that wasn't a good wallpaper. That was the Harry Balls one. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, it's true. Everybody looked at it like, oh, those are hairy balls. I mean, <laughs> but, game over. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just true. <laughs> oh, I. Oh, I envy the person who just came into the stream and all they heard was, was Matt just go, Harry Balls. balls. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than the way the stream started out when we were talking about politics. I mean, basically their equivalents, Harry Balls, politics, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyways, honestly, I'm quite happy for this upgrade tool, but I'm also happy that it's coming to LMDE first. So it's going to be coming to, they're going to roll it out to LMD4 so you can upgrade to LMD5. And um, I'm going to say this because I always say this when we talk about Linux Mint. Linux Mint, please just get rid of Ubuntu. Just do the Debian thing. it make everybody really happy. Just, you don't need Ubuntu. Nobody, nobody needs Ubuntu anymore, okay? Well, see, nowadays, like, just, it, Canonical's not making decisions. That's in the best interest of anyone that's basing off of them. Like if you're canonical, sure. Like, yeah, you're making decisions that benefit canonical, but uh, no, no one really wants snaps out of the box. Like you might want a snap, but you don't like, no one's really excited. Oh yeah. My distro support snap out of the box. Yes. Like no, I don't, I don't think anyone wants that. At least personally, I don't think many people are trying to jump and trip over, like trying to get to snaps. Okay, here is the workflow between Debian, Ubuntu, and Linux Mint. So uh, Debian creates their thing. They've always created it. It's been around for 30 years. Okay, 31 years, whatever. It's been along for, around for a long time. Ubuntu takes Debian and makes Ubuntu. Puts snaps in it, does all their stuff to it. Linux Mint takes Ubuntu, takes all the stuff that Linux Mint or that Ubuntu has done to it, makes it Debian again, calls it Ubuntu, and, <laughs> and basically what they're doing is Debian anyways, but they call it Ubuntu. I mean, I know that it's more complicated than that because they obviously have like some Ubuntu repos and stuff like that, but uh, they've pulled out the only thing that has made Ubuntu Ubuntu, which is Snaps. They pulled it out; it's gone. Like you can't even they like if you try to install Snaps on on Linux Mint, they tell you, hey. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. I actually I will, respect that. Like, like, what, I, what I want them to do is say, are you a fucking moron? Of course. <laughs> Buddy. That was the greatest beep ever. I was just about to swear, and it was like... <laughs> That's great. Anyways, I don't want to bitch about Linux Mint too much longer. Let's go ahead and move on to mine. Let's, let's bitch about hey. Fedora. Buddy. Come here, buddy. Our mailman's here. The dreaded <laughs> mailman. <laughs> your, your dog would chase after the mailman. My dog would chase after cars. Oh, uh, gosh. Uh, my, she she does not like white cars, like, at all. Like, she'll ignore every car, color car except for a white car, or whitish car. And everyone, she's like, oh, ooh. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand. It's, it's really weird. Anyways, that's so, the one that worries me, like when they would chase after cars, because I'm like, oh, I don't no, Don't leave. <laughs> the mailman's only going to go so far. He's got to stop. <laughs> like He's just going next door. Like I can catch him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. My my news of the week is uh, so Fedora 
is planning on introducing a new pay package manager, kind of. It's more of a, like a minimal version of DNF. And the things that it will do are going to improve reliability. It's going to have better bash completions and best, better progress reporting and uh, improved transaction tables and stuff like that. So it's honestly kind of interesting because one of the things about Fedora that I have, I've always kind of noticed is that DNF is kind of slow. Like it's not zipper slow. Like it's not like because it zippers pretty damn slow. But um, DNF is is definitely one of the slower package managers out there. It's you know it's one of the things that you just notice. Now you can obviously make it faster with parallel downloads and stuff like that. But out of the box, it's just kind of slow. So this is kind of very interesting to me because I've been spending a lot more time in Fedora lately. I've been doing more videos and stuff on it. And, um, Fedora's just, I mean, I bitch about Wayland and Pipeware all the time, but Fedora's still kind of good. Um, and well, that's kind of like where you want to go to experience those things. Like if you yeah. want Wayland and if you want, if you want to have a good likelihood of having a good experience with Wayland and Pipewire, when you try it, try Fedora, cause that's where it's going to be the best. It, it just will be. You know, I'm honestly quite sick of every Linux YouTuber saying that Fedora is the new Ubuntu, um, but it's kind of true. Like, Fedora, Ubuntu used to be, like, the, the innovator. It could always bring new stuff to Linux, having new ideas. Uh, now, uh, Ubuntu feels like they're chasing GNOME. You know, <laughs> literally, that's yeah, all they're doing yeah. is they're, 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 tr they're just trying desperately to get to the brand new GNOME every year, and that's all they do. Um, they don't have, like... They used to have a competitor to Wayland called Mirror. It's still alive, but nobody uses it. Um, you know, so they they don't come up with any new ideas. But it, it doesn't really matter. But the the point of the going back on the topic again, uh, Jesus, Matt. Um, I don't help. It's okay. <laughs> At this point, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like if we if we stayed on topic, the the top the the podcast would be like five minutes long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the tangents are half the fun. Anyways, uh, the the micro DNF uh, package manager, which probably will come out, they're probably going to be testing it. Uh, they're saying it's going to be next year with Fedora 38. Um, I don't know how they're going to get to Fedora 38 by next year when they're just coming up with 36. I don't know what... Usually it's like one a year, I thought, but maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, but anyways, sometime in the next couple of releases, they're going to be doing this micro DNF thing, and that's, like I said, it's kind of interesting for me. Yeah, um, which uh, I think it will be interesting. Also, I don't I don't know that... I, I really don't think that it's... Are they saying, like, next year... Could they mean by the like it, it being the end of next year? Because that that would make more sense. Because I don't, just like you were saying with the versions, I don't keep up with Fedora that much. But it doesn't seem like their version numbers go up like every six months. Like, I don't, well, I don't think. No, they do. I'm pretty sure it's just once a year. So I'm pretty sure 35 came out around this time last year. 36 is coming out in a few days, and. Um, Someone said in chat it is every six months. It is every six months. Then why are why are they only at thirty eight or thirty six? If it's every six months, actually, yeah. <laughs> I mean, those numbers would be going up a little bit faster. Um, April and October is what Peter says. So, um, 
I, I didn't know that. I thought it was just once a year. Um, oh. Cool. So 38 will be next April is what he said. To learn something new every day. I guess every I, day. I, it makes me wonder why the numbers haven't gone up faster. Because mm-hmm. um, my guess is that they've changed the numbering scheme. Then they've had to have changed the numbering scheme because at one point then maybe they or maybe they started over. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if they get to yeah. v- version seven, like screw this, we're going back to one. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, moving on to the main topic because we need to get we need to you know move this thing along just because we can. Um, do we have the right to repair? Now I'm I'm. I think this was my topic. I don't actually remember who put this in the in in the the thing. I thought it was mine, but maybe because it, it was yours and I thought it was a good topic, I decided to steal it. I don't remember. Um, it's possible. Uh, anyway, so the question we have this week is: Do we have the right to repair our own hardware? Because one of the things that seems to be a, of of a debate recently is: Do you have the like, do you really own your hardware? Do you have the ability to repair it and all that stuff? So, Tyler, what is your answer to this question? Well, it's kind of a nuanced question because obviously you have the right to repair some things. Like most things, especially about a rebuilt or a desktop computer that you built, especially if you built it yourself. I mean, you can repair a lot. Like when it comes to the right to repair argument, I think it has to do with more of trying to keep companies from taking active steps to have bad or at the very least malicious business tactics to try and monetize repairing your computer. Um, Kind of the thing is, is like for when people talk about right to repair, a lot of the times what you mean is, is okay, we need to essentially have it set up so that you have the right to have free and open access to the information to repair your stuff instead of having to pay for the right to be able to at least know how to fix something. And that's a hard one. Like we live in a world that is fueled by money. And companies don't give two shits about the end user at all. Um, it doesn't matter how much the business strokes your ego and says that they love you. They don't. Uh, they love your wallet. And let's be honest, if you're for profit, like that's your main focus, it makes sense to charge somebody for the information on how to fix something. I'm pretty sure if if there wasn't laws around it, motherboard manufacturers would charge you for the right to download the manual. Like I'm sure they would do that. Um, and I'm, I think that that's kind of the thing with a lot of stuff like specs. I mean, Apple's the most egregious one here. Like they're terrible with it. But hopefully, hopefully we don't end up in a world where every manufacturer is trying to stop uh, like hardware specs and just in- information about their hardware from from being freely and openly available because um, it, it 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 hurts a lot of people when you charge for just basic information like mo- 
it, it a lot of the times, especially building a desktop computer, there is a lot of money saved in not paying someone to fix it or not paying someone to just do it for you. And um, I don't know. I I don't think it's a good thing to try and monetize the hell out of basic inf- info on repairing your computer. But I I think we have the right to repair right now. I just think that there's an active movement to take it away. That's for sure. I think the question more is more interesting when we talk about like cell phones and laptops because with the desktop. You're right. The right to repair there is there, and while the, you know there's probably some discussion on how to make it, you know, like easier for the motherboard to motherboard manufacturers to sell you more motherboards that you can't, you know, like there's a reason why Intel comes out with a new socket every time they come out with a new chip because they want you to buy a new motherboard. You know, that's why the whole AM4 thing for AMD was so shocking was because they said, hey, we're going to create motherboards or we're going to create, create chips that will be uh, available for this socket for four generations. And everybody's like, well, that's really nice, wow. AMD. It's really great. Yeah. You know, that that's not something AMD, that's not some, something Intel would ever do because they're, you know, mm-hmm. an evil corporation. Uh, turns out AMD's somewhat decent. I don't know. But. More likely, they did it because they wanted to, you know, catch up to Intel, right? The, but, well, that, that's the thing. Everything's profit-driven. Yeah. Like, they had to keep, play catch-up, and being the nice guy was the way to catch up. For once. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? um, yeah. For once. For, it's, it's when you get into, like Peter said in the, in the, in the chat, it becomes a more of a interesting and hard-to-answer question when you talk about, like, smartphones and laptops, because there is some argument to be had that by tightening things down and making it harder to repair, they're able to make their hardware slimmer, uh, more efficient in some ways. Now, it's obviously not always the case and it's not always, it's definitely not the reason why they've done it, right? It is maybe a reason, but the biggest reason it's like taking the phone charger out of the box. Apple made this big deal when they made, took the the, app, the phone charger out of the box. Like, oh, this is we're, we're environmentalists. We're we're saving trees. Um, no, you did that so you don't have to give people a charger and you could charge them forty dollars for it at the store. That's the reason why you did it, right? <laughs> like, sure, it had this other benefit. Like, you're gonna have fewer chargers out there. That could be you know environmentally impactful. But for the most part, you did it because you wanted to line your pockets. You know, that's the thing. And then all the other companies made fun of them for doing and then they decided, hey, oh, that's a good idea. We're going to do it, too. Nope. <laughs> you know, um, we, we no longer have to include a, a charger in the box because, you know, we can make the boxes smaller, therefore cheaper, you know, and and and, and we can sell it as like the, the, you know, the less cardboard. So better for the environment. Also better for our wallets. Uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the same thing, you know, happens with the right to repair stuff they or with the with all their hardware right they want you to have to buy a new iPhone they don't want you to have to they don't want you to be able to say hey you want a, a battery is 150 bucks uh, and uh, I I can pay 150 bucks get a new battery in this and use my my phone for another two or three years um, that's not good for Apple they want you to buy a new iPhone same thing with every Android manufacturer right 
that's the reason why batteries are no longer replaceable. Well, but see, like the thing is, is like I, I think it's very odd the way that some companies are trying to do it. Like the whole idea that, hold on, let me grab my phone. The whole idea that this this cell phone here cannot like the bat because it's so thin and slim and whatever there's no way to repair the battery or like replace the battery in this it's that that's stupid as shit like obviously you put the battery in here yeah it might be more complicated i might have to pop the back off i might have to go in here take out a few screws shit might have to just desolder something and like desolder the battery and then resolder it back in but it's still repairable like it's still replaceable it's not as simple as just pop the back off and just take it out. Like the, the weird thing is that like now it seems like nowadays there's an active push by companies to convince you that just because making something slimmer makes it a little bit more of a hassle to repair it. It's impossible. Like it can't be done. Like, which if you've ever if, if anybody's ever seen some of the lobbyists that um, Apple, GE, um, there a whole bunch of different corporations have that have lobbied in the U.S. and abroad um, for against right to repair. That is a big thing that they they try to tell and convince lawmakers and just the general public that. Not only is sometimes doing what I'm talking about here, taking apart this thing, desoldering it, they would like to convince people that it's not necessarily impossible, but it's it's close to it. And it's also very dangerous, like very dangerous, which is the dumbest argument ever. If you can build the phone, um, I can safely repair it. Uh, same thing with my refrigerator. Um, if I want to repair my refrigerator, I can. And it's the same as with any like the argument of, well, it 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 might be dangerous. You could hurt yourself. You can you can get electrocuted plugging a freaking sock like a, a plug into the socket in the wall. Like you can get hurt doing anything. The the idea that you're you're going to save me from myself is it. It's such a bad angle. And. Uh, companies are just, uh, I don't know, like the whole push for convincing people that it's dangerous to repair your stuff or because things get slimmer, more compact and stuff, it, it becomes almost impossible to repair it. And so there, we need to make laws that stop people from it's such an insane argument. Like it makes no sense. Right. Um, first Dylan, thanks for the super chat. You didn't, actually put a chat in there so i assume you don't want to make uh, any comments but thank you for that um i will say this is that there is like peter said in the comment in the in the chat uh, the idea of like water resistance and stuff like that that probably is a good you know like probably a good reason for it to be sealed but even if you seal it like let's just say we have the things that we have right now they're, they're sealed boxes or whatever and uh you make it you know hard so that you can keep water out of there i can understand that uh, but that doesn't mean you have to do anti-consumer things like using 25 different custom screws that you can't use like an actual screwdriver for. You have to buy, you know, like a $40 screwdriver in order to actually, you know, use. That's what Apple does, right? And other, it's not just Apple, like a lot of 
uh, companies do this as well. So I don't want to just pick on Apple. But the, the the thing is, is like it's not just that it's sealed. It's also that it's you know hard when she, like, if you if you manage to get into it without breaking the the back or whatever, and you want to replace the battery or whatever, you you can't. You can't just do that because you have to have special tools. You have to have the right parts. And Apple has gone so far as put basically put DRM on their batteries. So if you nope. if you got in there and put a battery in there, it would keep popping up on your phone. This says, hey, this is not an original battery. Like, okay, there is an argument to be made that, you know, buying a, a, a secondhand battery from China is not a good thing. Things might explode. Batteries tend to do that. But that doesn't mean that you couldn't ha- – I mean, you're denying an entire market of people who – of companies who could make batteries legitimately for your devices. Um, that, and also the argument of it's – we're going to do this for your safety is st- – like because P- Peter said battery in these things is so tightly fit that it's really dangerous to fiddle with it. That I, I'm sorry. I buy plenty of life LifePo batteries like for you know like drones and shit. Um, if I short circuit it, guess what? It's pretty dangerous, but that doesn't stop me from buying them and using well, it. Like that, then they the, ha- they have a certification process already for uh, accessories and stuff. Why can't there be a certification process for the batteries? You know, made for yeah. iPhone. You know, the, 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 this thing is it has been certified by Apple to work. You know. Well, and it's also, with, no matter what, when you're repairing stuff, it's pretty much in every single company's warranty that if you don't have it repaired by them or, you know, like a subsidiary of theirs that, you know, that they, they approve of, then you're breaking the warranty on it. So the argument from the company, the manufacturer standpoint of, well, we do it to protect our people or we do it so because it can be dangerous or uh, we do it because, you know, uh, you might break the water seal and then we would have to, you know, like pay for it or uh, support the warranty. That's complete bullshit. Like if if I repair my phone like this, this phone and I break the water seal inside of it, I'm already on my own because I repaired it. Like right. that's pretty much how warranties work. I I don't know if like maybe some dipshits haven't been around for forever, but like if I if you open up most shit, there's like a little sticker that says warranty void if removed. Like, hello, have none of y'all ever repaired stuff? Like that's pretty normal. It's always been a thing. So, Sway, I'm I'm gonna mispronounce your name, Sway. Thanks for the super chat. He's uh, they said um. Right to repair isn't about ease of repair, but the, just the right. Apple saying only that they can repair your device and no one else means they still have control over your device and you don't own it. Yeah, and that's basically what they're saying is that they have... Because con- this isn't even just about like my right to repair or your right to repair. It's more about, like even on a broader scale, the ability to have a business. Like say you know what the hell you're doing. Like for, for the most part, you and I are idiots. And uh, we probably don't mm-hmm. know exactly what we, you know. I have no cl- clue how to create like a like a, a like a solder. A, I don't know how to solder anything. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. But there are people who know how to do this. The very smart people who are very technical, right? And they might want to create a business where they fix iPhones. You know, Apple says that's not okay. <laughs> you know, that's not unusual. A lot of companies say that, but the They've made it 
prohibitively, prohibitively impossible, basically, to have businesses like that and be like able to charge a reasonable amount for it. Because if you have to repair iPhones, people do that. There's businesses out there that do do that. They charge a lot of money because it's really freaking hard to take it apart and fix it, you know. And it's also impossible to get legitimate parts from Apple, you know, mm-hmm. that are actual parts for the iPhone. Everything else has to be like third party or has to be refurbished. So yeah. he, and so, for for anybody who doesn't know just how difficult it can be to get Apple like repair products, just go watch a little bit of Lewis Rossman. Just spend a little bit of time on his channel. Like you'll find out just how actively a- Apple like works to make it super difficult to repair their products, which is ironic as hell. Like that's just super funny. We've been picking on Apple for a while, but the thing is, is that it's not just Apple. So if you've ever bought a Dell yeah. laptop before. And you've had to replace a, a part on a Dell laptop. It is damn near impossible to get a new part. You have to get it from Dell, and they're not going to sell it to you. Like they want to do the repair themselves. It doesn't mean it's impossible to repair. Taking apart a Dell laptop is actually really easy. And there's guides and stuff online. Like iFixit does guides on Dell laptops and like whatever. The only place on the internet really that does Dell parts is called like Parts People. And all they sell, all they sell are refurbished parts. It's like, you can only get used parts for these things. Like, pretty much Dell is all, like, my mom only uses Dell computers. She had a really good experience with her first Dell computer. And since that point, that's all she's bought. So, every time something, I mean, she uses the crap out of her computer. So, the hinges go, cr- like, bad almost instantaneously on her computers. Also, the D- the, the the DC jack on the internal things like it gets blown out so you have to replace it all the time mm-hmm. yeah I, so i can't get those parts brand new i always have to buy them refurbished and they like god bless people who refurbish stuff but i'm sorry that shit doesn't last very long okay when it comes to that stuff that's that's really high friction metal against metal stuff it, it it's i'm glad that i can actually get something but you know, it's still uh, there's a reason why I had to replace it every three months, you know, mm-hmm. and really what they want done is you to have to buy either buy a new computer when something like that goes bad or sign up for one of their, you know, Apple Care Plus or Dell uh, Care Plus or whatever the hell they call it, where you have to pay, you know, every year yep. to have them uh, give you services, basically insurance that you hopefully will never need, but you you're going to need it. Oh, and by the way, um, j- just so everyone understands, um, when you pay for those services like that, uh, you're still going to pay every time that you need a repair. Like just because you're paying yearly for that doesn't mean you don't you, you get a completely free repair. Let's make that clear. You don't. Um, you just get a hopefully cheaper repair, which yeah. you've been paying throughout the year to get. It's right like mobile cheap. phone insurance. Like that mobile phone insurance doesn't mean that when you break your phone, you get a new phone. <laughs> no, yep. no, it just means that you get to pay a deductible. That means you don't have to pay for the full price of the phone. Usually it's like 50 or 75 bucks. And, uh, you know, still better than buying a new phone. But it's still you've paid $5 a month for that insurance. And, you know, if you, you if you just put that $5 up every month, uh, you know, and then... 
at the end of the when you needed a new phone, you'd probably have bought the price of a new phone. You know, after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, also, put your fucking phone in a case, okay? I understand they're pretty without the case and they feel nice. You know, the great devices. Yeah, but um, it's a massive investment. Like, especially if you've got a newer phone. Well, like, <laughs> like, they're not just cheap. I, this was 2007 when the when the when the iPhone first came out. The the price of the iPhone was like six hundred and ninety nine dollars or something like that, and people just blew up because they thought it was way too expensive for a phone. Uh, so mm-hmm. Apple actually did something that Apple never does. They lowered the price by a hundred dollars. Um, so it was five ninety nine or something like that. Now now nowadays everybody looks like oh look this is the Galaxy Fold three it's eighteen hundred dollars. <laughs> like I'm I'm not kidding. For the price of the Galaxy, the price of the Galaxy Fold Three or whatever that BS is, that that is the the retail price of that is exactly the same amount of money that I spent on my first car, like exactly the same amount. My first car, I, pay, I paid two hundred dollars for it. <laughs> it. Wow! It didn't run, but it was a nineteen seventy nine Delta eighty eight, and that thing was the definition of a rust bucket. And mm-hmm. the the engine was fine actually, but we needed to rebuild the transmission, and there had holes in the floor, so we had to pull out the floor pan and put the floor in. It was my first project. It was like before I had my. We, we bought it like a year before I got my license, and my dad and I fixed it up. I don't know shit about cars, so I wasn't much of help. He mostly fixed it up. I sat there and you know, hey, I need a nine sixteenth French. Go get that. <laughs> you know, that's basically <laughs> what I did. Yeah. But the the, the, the Obviously, total tangent there, but it's a good story. Uh, anyways, well, yeah. I mean, we're talking about repairing a car, which like nowadays, like uh, if you uh, if you apply it to most things, it's it's getting the right to repair your shit just across the board is starting to disappear. Yeah, cars have started to get to the point where they're pretty much just like fucking phones. There's so much there's so much different circuitry in there. It's all packed it's, so tight together. And it's, it's proprietary tooling proprietary tools uh parts everything uh, like like you used to be able to like you used to be able to go to like uh best buy or whatever and buy a like a, a, a aftermarket like cd player or radio whatever you can still do that but it looks like garbage because because you have to get these stupid kits they don't really fit all that well but it used to be you could fit one and because for the most part the radios and stuff inside of cars were all basically the same size you know and so you could put whatever you wanted in there now you kind of can't do that because they're all different sizes and they all have these stupid screens and computers and stuff so they've had to i mean they still have the aftermarket stuff but it's not as easy it, like now you almost have to have best buy install it for you uh, because you know they have the tools and the software and stuff that, that needs to be done you can't do it yourself anymore because you can't like it's not even a new problem really because i remember when we we had a i don't remember what car it was all i remember was we need to replace the the it was a Bronco, actually. It was like a, one of the like the last Broncos, because um, they discontinued the Broncos because OJ Simpson. But um, 
I was going to blame it on him. The, 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 the point is, is, is that in order to get that radio out, you had to have a proprietary tool. It looked like a little U, like with like um, I don't even know, but you had to put it in the side so it would pop it out. And like the tool cost like sixty dollars. Like it was a little piece of metal. It was so stupid. Um, and so that's not a new pro- problem. But still, yeah, it's it's literally everything. Like every single thing. And I mean. We've, we've kind of ignored it, but it it's not even just about, you know, like rights and your ability to save money and stuff. It's also e-waste is like a huge deal, right? It's like a big, oh, yeah. big deal. And you, you don't like this stuff doesn't you don't want this stuff to go into a landfill. You don't want your car to sit out in, a, you know, a, in a junkyard. You know, that's mm-hmm. not good for the environment. Like, don't want to be a tree hugger here, but we only got one earth. We don't want to fuck it up if it's not too late we already done it anyways you know but I mean, we're doing a good job of it but i, I don't think it's too late yet the, 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 i mean but there's i mean there's so many different aspects of this question right so i think both of us agree mm-hmm. we have the right to repair stuff we or we should have the right to repair stuff but we don't for the most part um or even if, or even if we do it's it, there's an active effort to make it disappear that's just it's and, happening. It's all it's all, well. It's not all about this, but it's mostly about planned obsolescence, where they want you to buy new whatever it is and not be able to repair it. Um, the the, the thing is is that uh, you know that this is happening because when when you buy a new phone, what's the one thing that they always tell you? Hey, do you have another phone? Trade it in. We could give you uh, three or four hundred dollars for your new phone. Uh, that's because they can then send it back to Apple, who has all of the parts they need to repair this shit, and they can refurbish it and then sell it for eight or nine hundred dollars. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't know why I went all New York there again, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, it's the, it's it, 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 somebody in the, somebody in the chat said it's all about money. You know, yep. it, it's no, I don't know. We can't be surprised about this, right? Like th- this is not a surprise. Well, yeah. It's capitalism well, as, as, fine. as as a business that chases profit. There's not a lot of profit in selling you something that works for 20 years, right? Like there's <laughs> just not. Not anymore. There, there's a reason. Okay, so you probably don't even remember this, but um, <laughs> this is old man Matt gonna get on his stool for a minute. Uh, there used to be a a Sears brand ca- called like. Uh, Ken's, I can't, I, I've forgotten the name. Kensmore, Kensworth, Ken, something like that, and also Craftsman. Like Craftsman is the one I'm thinking of. Like they made tools, right? They're like screwdrivers and stuff, right? I think it's probably even still around. Uh, but their whole Craftsman is definitely still around. Their their whole shtick was that it would last forever. Like literally, they gave like lifetime warranties on that shit. Granted, I'm sure it's not going to be you know you know honored now because Sears gone the way of Montgomery Ward, but um, you know, that was the whole thing. You buy this tool, this this screwdriver, it will last forever. Nowadays, it's made of plastic and it's gonna last you one turn. You know, yeah, now craft, Craftsman is literally synonymous for cheap shit tool. Yeah, like that's pretty much Craftsman nowadays. Yeah, and that's not the way it used to be. It was used to be like this thing will last forever. It was literally their whole thing. Um, mm-hmm. and same thing with like. There was a lot. I mean, 
We don't. I remember back in the day, they don't make them like they used to anymore. <laughs> you know, we I mean, like old men, but it it's really freaking true because they want to make stuff as uh, e- replaceable as possible. Like they want you to have to be able to. They want you to have to replace it, not repair it, or they don't want it to last for ages and ages and stuff because how are they going to make more and more money? Um, I mean, it's it's hard to sell you shit when everything that you have works. Yeah. It's it, the sad part is is like it's weird because pretty much companies out on mass are acting like shitty pay to win games, like like phone games nowadays. Like if you've if you've ever like watched uh, a lot or gotten into like the mechanics of pay to win mobile games. A lot of the times their strategy is create problem, sell you solution. And typically the create the problem is some stupid, weird, like just annoying bullshit that in an otherwise good game you have to deal with. And then they sell you the solution. And that's just how companies are now on mass. Companies are not. It's people have this weird view of companies where, okay. Companies, their goal is to make the best product possible. If you believe that, I'm sorry, but that is the furthest thing from the truth. The furthest thing. The most important thing is making money. And having a half-decent product is kind of necessary for making money. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like Making a good product is not the focus. It's getting the money out of the product. That's it. Where this all comes down to is that it's much easier for them to make a half decent product that is not repairable and that you have to replace and then come up with another product that is basically exactly the same that you might have one or two features that are really easy for them to come up with, you know, basically no innovation. And you just keep on that product cycle where your stuff kind of gets marginally better each generation. Uh, it's much easier for them to be on this thing that they're doing now than every two or three years come up with a product that is fantastic and has all these innovations and is an amazing is an amazing product, right? Uh, there's a there, there's a reason why if you buy an iPhone these days, it basically looks like there's exactly the same iPhone you have booked a bought four or five years ago. The edges are a little square now, but I mean. All they did for the most part, it's the same thing. Taking <laughs> risk as a company and doing something innovative, it, it it comes with risk, and companies don't like that. Yeah, and they, it's not part of the model. Like the model is just you know, create something that's just marginally better, that costs more, that you know people want. Like if you, people loved the iPhone four right design, right because it was you know slim and sleek and sexy and stuff like that and they stick with that design through like the iphone 5s yeah they stretched it out a little bit and made it thinner but basically they've they made it was a boxy iphone then they did the rounded iphone for many generations because it was that was the new thing the the new iphones look exactly like the iphone 5 did basically for the most part it's the exact same design excuse me there's no innovation there really and there's no benefit for them to innovate on the design of the iPhone. It's the reason why uh, most phones, they all look like this. You know, they look like a slab of glass. That's 
what they look like. It's the reason why. It's also the reason why Samsung can get away with eighteen hundred dollars for a foldable phone because it looks unique. It obviously is something that they've you know innovated on. They have literal folding glass, which I don't even begin to understand how is it possible. It's obviously not all that good because you hear all these reports about how you know it, it breaks after so so long, whatever. But the, the point is, is that they've obviously Samsung has obviously innovated in terms of making that you know possible. That's the reason why it's eighteen hundred dollars. You know what I mean? Yeah. And all, that's that's also something people don't understand. Like. E- Sure, Samsung is doing some interesting things with all of this, but they don't, as a company, it's not really, if you want to be the most strategic, like if winning the capitalistic game is like your company's goal, like, you know, like we want to make the most amount of profit possible. Samsung has spent a shitload in research and development on making those foldable phones. Let me ask you something personally, Matt. How many people do you know with a Samsung Fold? No one. Same. I have people that want, like I, I know people that want it, but I, I know no one that actually has it in their hands and that's what they use. I, I know not that's one person who would ever, ever, like, spend $1,800 on a phone. Like, they would literally go without a phone first before they'd ever spend that amount of money. Now... See, I'm the same way at about a thousand dollar phone. Like, I don't want to spend a thousand dollars on a phone. I spent six hundred dollars on this phone, and that was way freaking too much. And this was a used, refurbished phone, by the way. You know, uh, I, I, I don't understand the cost of. I mean, we get get into the cost of phones all we want. It's just way too expensive. Like, if if a computer, like an actual motherfucking computer with a keyboard and a trackpad and the ability to run Linux and Windows and Mac or whatever you want it to do costs $799 but your phone costs $900? No, that's not... You... Like, I understand that at one point the research and development to get this stuff down to the to this size was a big deal. Like, in order to get the the... the, the the processor and all the, the the batteries and all this stuff to get it to, to miniaturize it to this size, the research and development it would have been big. But we've done that. Yeah. Like that was 15 years We're there ago. Now, like, 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 exactly. They did that with the iPhone. That was the research and development. You're not still paying those people off. Okay, those loans have been paid. Yet the prices keep going up and they keep calling it research and development. No, you can't keep creating phones that look exactly the same year after year for the most part. Bricks of glass, you know, and and mm-hmm. keep charging me more money for them and, and expect me to say, oh, those features are really good. Uh, I need to have those features. Like there is a when I was younger. Yes. Like this is the that's the whole point is when when you're like really young, like you're a teenager or whatever. The new iPhone is sexy as hell, man. Like, look at those colors. Like, fantastic colors. And, ooh, it's a new design and a smaller notch. And, mom, can I have one? You know? Uh, God, I, feel, I, sound, I sound like I'm a 90-year-old man. But the, the, when, once you get out there and you actually earn your money, you know, it's a lot harder to justify a $1,000 phone. And that's the reason why the carriers or whatever will say, well, it's not a $1,000 phone. It's just $16 a month. 
Exactly. That doesn't sound exactly. I can afford sixteen dollars a month. That's just a couple Starbucks coffees. You know what I mean? It'll be perfectly fine. But you don't realize it's like those pay to own deals where yeah, technically you're only paying sixteen dollars a month, but really what you're doing is you're paying two thousand dollars for a one thousand dollar phone. You know, it's it's yeah. a, it's, a, it's a payday loan scam. Um, we we've, we've it's it's funny when you said about desktop like to phone prices. You made me think about it. My phone does cost legitimately more than my setup does. Like if if I if I'm talking about just this computer, like I don't include um, the sixty six hundred XT which isn't even in this computer anyway, but like my computer that I'm using right now costs like probably a few hundred dollars less right. than my phone did. So not only, not only do they say, Hey, pay a thousand dollars for this technology, but also you have to pay a $60 a month in order to use it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the, the primary functionality of a phone is to make phone calls and send text messages. And in order to use that primary primary functionality, you have to pay us money after also buying the device. Like whoever came up with that model is it, that guy's brilliant, right? Yep. <laughs> Obviously that guy's a billionaire and that's the reason why he's a billionaire and I'm a schmuck, you know, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, Kudos to that guy who came up with that thing, but man, he's also a crook. Like that's Bernie Madoff level, like stealing my money, you know, because it's just like, holy shit. Like, can you, can you imagine? And I'm sure there's pro I'm sure there's probably someone out there who thought that this was a good idea. You go to the car dealership and you spend $40,000 for a new car, but you can't drive it unless you also pay them $80 a month to, to whatever you know use the radio and use the steering wheel and the, the wheels none of those things work unless you pay them money i mean that's basically what this is because this thing here uh, i mean we will get there one day we will get there like the ability to use your windshield wipers will be like a feature add-on like that you'll it'll be like dlc for your car we have got there like tesla does this shit like you can buy a tesla and it will go a certain speed but you can buy DLC for your Tesla to make it go faster. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I think it's called like mock speed or ludicrous speed or something like, like, like they, they stole it from space balls. Uh, Mel Brooks should shoot Elon Musk. I'm just going to put that out there. Uh, <laughs> but the, 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 the thing is, is, is like the, like we're there like that. They're, they're actually doing this. Like in order to get these extra features, like you have to pay, us more money that you've i mean you it's never mind that this was a seventy thousand dollar vehicle more than most people in their 50s paid for their freaking houses you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like i'm pretty sure my mom and dad spent four thousand dollars on their first house like you can't even buy a brick for four thousand dollars these days hell no <laughs> shit phones will be at that price here soon like it's just like, i don't I was on about the the research and development thing, but like you can't. How is it that the computers that have been around that we use every day, like that we're using right now, have gotten continuously cheaper? Like for the most part, outside of the whole, uh, you know, pandemic and 
supply chain After stuff that's been going on, right? For the most part, computers have gotten progressively cheaper over the last 20 years. Now, obviously, you can still spend three or $4,000 on a computer. But if you spend three or $4,000 on a computer, you're getting a top-of-the-line fucking computer that's going to last you for a long time. It has all the specs that you'll want. It has the best processor, the best graphics card. Again, probably before the, the pandemic, it's probably more expensive now. The, the, the point is, but the same thing isn't with phones. They're, they're, it's, and they keep expecting these phones that they, that they keep coming out with to have us act like this is new technology. Like this is technology that they're just researching and developing right now. And that's the reason why they think that they can, spe- they can charge us this amount of money. Well, or the, I, I think the thing is too, is, is think the idea that a lot of companies are trying to sell you on is that, this is your business device. Like this thing here, like is it, it, it's, it's meant to like make you money. It's meant to operate your business and everything. It's and meant to be I'm your sure, computer. Exactly. And I, for me, I'm sure that for some people that works, but I don't know. Like in my, like uh, in my opinion, phones are for like just talking with family, um, arranging things with like scheduling things with friends meeting up with friends and then like i don't know porn and dick pics like that's I was, like, isn't that really uh, what phones are for i was gonna say mobile games but uh, apparently you and your netflix in the shower you know <laughs> hey hey oh speaking of which i'm speaking of like netflix in the shower i'm getting very close to finishing peaky blinders um i think i'm on the last season i'm pretty sure i am yeah it's such a good show. I don't Sorry know, for the tangent. But I don't know it. what that is because I don't subscribe to Netflix. Um, it's called The Pirate Bay, bro. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You got to keep that on the DL, man. You can't just be telling everybody. All right? You're on YouTube. You're so getting demonetized. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Got anything else you want to talk about with Right, right to Repair? I think we could go on and bitch about how expensive stuff and why this has made things more expensive for a long time. Um, it's just one of those things where we could talk ourselves in circles and it's just, I mean, okay, before we move on, let's just talk about the solution. Okay. And possible solutions. So there are companies out there. We're looking at like Fairphone, and we're talking about the framework laptop that have made devices that are meant to be repaired, that have modular pieces and stuff like that. Google even tried this, right? Like they tried with Project whatever the hell it was called. Um, but in typical Google fashion, they canceled it. Um, <laughs> um, so there are companies out there that have done this, but the thing is, nobody buys them. Like nobody buys them. Like the, the Fairphone or whatever hell it's called, the modular phone. It's not even as if it's more expensive than any other phone. It's actually, I think, cheaper than a lot of other phones. But nobody wants it no. because it's not as sleek and slim as the iPhone. It doesn't have the most recent stuff like the iPhone and the Android phones have. Um, so that's, I think, the thing that we last thing we should talk about is that when companies have tried to make right to repair a thing like a uh, what. A, sell, uh, a marketable thing for their product, when they've tried to do this, uh, nobody's cared. Like, nobody, get, the mass majority of people well, seem it, don't it, care. Well, it's not that nobody cared. It's the companies that are doing it drop the ball on the most important 
part of the device. And this is if we take the Libra phone, the Pine phone, the uh, Fairphone, every single open implementation of a phone, they make really good decisions on the hardware where like, you know, like kill switches for different things. Um, the hardware is just, it's very open. Like they, they make good decisions hardware wise and build quality with the, with the phones. Like, you know, like they, they choose screens that aren't the best at most incredible screens out there, highest resolution, but they have, they pick a resolution that I don't know, makes sense for a seven inch screen or, you know, around seven inch screen. I don't need a 4k seven inch screen. I'm sorry. Exactly. (laughs) And that's going to help battery life a shitload. Um, but they all, all drop the ball on the most critical part of a phone, which is the processor. I'm sorry, but if you make all the rest of the hard, like, I don't care how much of the rest of the hardware is good. When the actual main processor that, like, needs to run everything is slow as shit, piss off. Like, I just, I can't use you. Like, on a daily basis, I can't. I'm not going to click, and I don't want to go back to the days of, like, clicking and then just being like on dial up speeds and like waiting and watching for our website yeah. to finish rendering. That's a good, no. that's a good point. There's also another thing is that they make these modular things that you're supposed to be able to say like, Oh, you can swap out the camera. You can swap out the, the battery. You can swap out the stuff, but those parts hardly ever materialize. Like, so mm-hmm. one, one of the things like there's no longevity because they're all really small companies there's no company out there that at least has so far been able to last long enough to make those things worthwhile. So like, and the thing is, is that we've been taught that that kind of thing doesn't last. So for example, not too long ago, a few years ago, Dell came out with a, a, a an Alienware laptop that had things that you could like modules that you were supposed to be able to in the future, be able to plug into this to make it, you know, upgradable, like things like the CPU and the GPU and stuff like, like be able to plug into it. They never followed through with it. Like, there was never something else that came out with a second one where you could actually take the things from the second one, buy those parts, and put it in the first one. It never happened. And that kind of thing has happened over and over and over again where companies will have this idea where they'll try to um, make things upgradable or whatever and say, hey, we'll sell you parts. Like, Intel has done this with one of their Nooks before. Um, they have, like, these compute units or whatever. And, like, they did it for one generation, and then it never happened again, you know? And... and when the main companies, when the big companies do this, they teach consumers to expect that kind of behavior, and it's it and it even happen and it happens with the small companies even more frequently because, but less maliciously. Like the big companies do it because it doesn't make them money. The the smaller companies do it because they go out of fucking business, you know, <laughs> you know. Yep. So when when you create something like the Fairphone or the Pinephone or whatever, it's really hard to uh, have that trust in the consumer market that you're going to be around in ten years for me to be able to buy the parts that are going to make this something that are going to last that long. Um, like I have no like. I've looked at the Pine stuff before, like the Pine Pro, Pinebook Pro, and the Pine Phone stuff. Like I, I've looked at that stuff, and I, first of all. I don't understand how you can sell a laptop for two hundred dollars. Uh, like I don't, I, I don't, I don't understand that there's some kind of black magic going on there. Uh, and I also think there, there is something to you get what you pay for. Um, something like, a, and they always have this warning right at the checkout, like, 
oh, there might be dead pixels on your screen, and it's perfectly normal. And it's not perfectly normal. <laughs> that means your display is broken. You know, <laughs> that's not that's not the way. She, like, I'm, but I mean, it's two hundred dollars. So I mean, but it's new. But I don't. I. It's always one of those things that confuse me. It's one of those things that also is going to scare the crap out of regular users they're going to see this like you're going to sell me something for two hundred dollars and tell me right away that it's possible i could get it broken and that's quote-unquote normal like uh, like that's not Mm -hmm. that's not the way the market works when you buy something and it's broken you take it back and get a new one that's not normal Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's it's that's one of those things right so i don't know it just feels like whenever somebody tries this and people are companies are trying it right now you know it just you know it doesn't work for various reasons, whether it's because of there's no trust in them or because it's, they didn't do a very good job in the first place or any number of reasons. It just feels like because I, I think you're right that I was wrong. That it's not that nobody cares. It's just that we've learned over a serious period of you know years that when this kind of stuff comes along, it's not something that you can trust for a, a long period of time. All right. Wow. That actually, that topic actually uh, got me fired up. Like, I'm fired up about that. Um, we haven't had a main topic that that we dived in like that in a while. Yeah, it was pretty good. Um, I I really probably should get myself like a lazy boy recliner and start making videos about this. <laughs> First of all, the idea of being able to do a, a a YouTube video from your lazy boy recliner is, I mean, Lewis Rossman, brilliant man, just pure, really brilliant. You can just sit there with your laptop on your lap or your keyboard on your lap and a mouse on the cushion and just sit there and make a make a video. You don't have to be in one of these freaking uncomfortable office chairs for hours on end editing shit. And hell no, I need to get myself a lazy boy. That's how you do it. Uh, <laughs> never leave this chair again. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that is it for the main topic. Let's go ahead and move on to the thingy of the week. Now, for those of you who have never watched a Linux cast before, you will know that this last section here is creatively titled because um, we couldn't come up with anything else. So we call it the thingy of the week. And this thingy can be literally anything. It can be a tip, trick, pick, uh, app, whatever. So, Tyler, your thingy of the week. Mine would be the fantastic top. I have been I, I, I have been just using top instead of H top here very recently. And it's look like H top is really like nice looking, but I've found uh, especially on my OpenBSD system, H top is not as the the way it shows you memory is a little I wouldn't say disingenuous, but it's different. Like uh, the way that you show like virtual, no, no, or excuse me, not is it virtual memory? No, what am I trying to say? Like the cached and accessed memory or whatever. You there, every program that's doing system monitoring can show you memory in a slightly different way. That's kind of like why you run, you check in HTOP, but then you run NeoFetch, and they're like the memory values are slightly off, and you're like what, like how, what, which one's right. Like they're both technically right. It's just one might not be showing you cached RAM or, you know, whatever. Um, so, but I, I've, I've just been using top here recently and it's fine. Um, and it's, you know, just the built in, don't have to pull anything extra down. It's just there. There's no thrills. It does not look great. It does not, it does not look nearly as good as H top or bash top or whatever. Um, but it 
functions just fine. Um, functions just the same way that you kind of expect it to. Um, yeah. So I like it. I'm going back to the basics, more minimalist. I'm surprised you haven't written a script that just sends you a dunce notification with your memory every like five minutes or something. Oh, well, I do now have uh, a, a bash script that's, that's set up where um, it will shoot me a notification when my temperature reaches a certain level. So like it checks like I think it's like I think it checks like every 30 seconds or no, I may have set it up every minute. Like I, th- I think that's what I set it up to every minute. It checks to see like what the temperature is. And if it's above 70 degrees Celsius, it shoots me a notification, which is nice because now I definitely won't have any problems overheating. Um, I should shoot that script up to my GitLab just in case some other idiot out there like myself who like likes to run their shit hot and like not notice that the fan's not speeding up when you're putting it under load. Well, uh, it'll help you well, out. At least your computer's not in a, in a cardboard box anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. I didn't even think about that. That would have been bad. <laughs> yeah. So my uh, pick of or my thinking of the week this week is uh, Firefox actually, and I know what you're thinking, Matt. It's Firefox. Everybody uses Firefox. Well, I mean, not everybody, but everybody should use Firefox. But the point is, uh, Firefox came up with a version 99, and it buried in the about config thing, you can enable something called overlay GTK scroll bars, or GTK overlay scroll bars, not sure the order. The point is, is that I made a video about a month and a half ago, maybe two months ago, about how scroll bars on uh, Linux, and specifically browsers, kind of suck, because they're inconsistent they're ugly. They don't go away. It's horrible. But this new thing with the Firefox with the GTK overlay for uh, scroll bars, they're so good. Oh, man, they're so good. Now, functionality-wise, they work like freaking scroll bars. But the, the point is, is that when you're not using the scroll bars, they go away. Like, the scroll bars oh, just, nice. just not there anymore. And when you are using them, there's just a little sliver, like a little thing. Like when you're scrolling up and down, you'll see a position, like on your phone. Like on your phone, you know, when you're, you're scrolling up and down, the, the scroll bar will show up. But it's just like a little oh. sliver along the side. That's what this is now. Like it, it's just a little sliver. And if you hover over it, it gets bigger so you can drag it up and down. But if you move your mouse away from it, it just goes back to little uh, a little one. And when you stop scrolling, it goes away completely gone and it works so well it works even on websites that use their own like scroll bars that usually look like they're from windows 98 it has replaced those scroll bars and made them like this it is so good and it has made it so that i have no interest whatsoever in switching away from firefox again so um god it's so good like i i, I know I'm a nerd. Okay, I did. I did. I just spent five minutes talking about scroll bars. Okay, I bet you no other Linux YouTuber has ever done that before. <laughs> it's so good. Anyways, I, I seriously, uh, you can wait until Firefox 100. They'll be enabled by default. But if you want them now, you can go into about.config and search for GTK overlay scroll bar, and it should come up and just turn that to true, and it, they'll show, the shop. You won't even have to restart Firefox. They'll just be there. So, so, so I good. I here using Cube Browser. Like, never again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, I need to, I, I'm, I, I'm sorry, but the ad blocking in Cube Browser is just, it's bad. It, it's piss poor. Uh, speaking of the ad blocking, your article 
like when I was reading over it, man, like there was so many ads. Like I got a video, I got a banner ad, I got uh, the like the other banner ad like at the bottom of the screen that gets big. Then it had like ads over here. Like, yeah. like okay. there was ads pop up all over the place. I was like, holy crap. At, at least on like the desktop or whatever, there's room for those ads. Like you can, it was like designed for it. If you, when you are on your phone and you go to one of the, like this morning, I was looking for a weather app for the Android, for my Android. And, uh, turns out there's not a lot of good weather apps for the Android. But the, the, the point is I was looking for the best one. So I searched as you do on Google for best weather app for Android. And it takes you to like Android central or whatever, like Android central is like a legitimate blog. They make a lot of money. They're very popular, but you get on their, their mobile website. They have an auto playing video that you can't scroll past. It floats with you. They have a ad at the bottom. Uh, they have ads inside the text that, you know, kind of like have the parallax effect. And then when you go to navigate away, they have a pop-up. <laughs> like you can't read the content because they have so many ads. Like um, I understand as someone who makes money through uh, advertisements on the Internet, like I completely understand uh, that, you know, you have to use ads to make money. It doesn't mean it has to be a horrible experience, does it? Exactly. Like, exactly. There has Some website designers don't understand it. Like, there has got to be a way to have advertisements on your website that doesn't mean that you can't actually get to the content, but also that doesn't mean, like, it's, like, like The Verge, for example. I'm... I like The Verge. I always listen to their podcast or whatever. I, I, I think a little bit – a lot of times they're a little bit elite, but whatever. I like their stuff. But their their website, if you have ads enabled, it makes that website load like you're on dial-up. Like it loads mm-hmm. so slowly. And like I, like I want to support you guys. Like I would, ha- I would add you to my whitelist you know, in my ad blocker if I could get to your content like normally. You know, but you can't. That's the funny thing. I don't even consider using Adblock until I go to the sites and places that can't use ads like a reasonable, decent person. Like if 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 you're designing a website or going to put ads on a website, as long as the ads do not interfere with the content, I don't care. I I I don't because I I know that's kind of like that's kind of like my like cover fee for going into a place you know like bars have like a surcharge or like a cover charge like you know you'll pay five bucks to go in at the door and then then you can do whatever you want and Mm -hmm. you know just have a good time and to me like ads on websites are just like that they're that cover charge but i'm sorry but when the cover charge is like thirty dollars and like a slap to the face like no obviously no, I won't. Like, and just to kind of make the whole podcast go full circle, when you get a beer, it's actually a a, a can of beer that somebody's peed in. You know, yeah. <laughs> that, that's that's basically what the advertisements are now, right? That's, we we just come completely full circle. If you haven't watched the beginning, we were just talking about that in the pre-show. So, uh, speaking of the pre-show, uh, let's just move move past this because we, we we could sit here and bitch about ads like the entire like for the next two hours, and we've already been going for. Oh, yeah. A long freaking time. Uh, but anyways, the point is is that if you want to watch the podcast live, we record this live every Thursday around 3 o'clock Eastern, uh, 
around 3 p.m. Eastern time. I can't talk. And we do that on YouTube.com slash LinuxCast. So make sure you subscribe there if you want to watch live. You'll also get a whole bunch of other content, which is varying levels of good. Uh, so uh, you can do that there. Uh, the way the podcast works now in video form is that the, the live stream is the podcast for YouTube. So if you want to watch uh, the video version of the podcast, the live stream is what you're going to get. That means you're also going to get to see the pre-show, which we talked about just a minute ago, where you'll get to see the the 15 or 20 minutes where Tyler and I just bullshit. This time we talked about politics, so that's probably going to scare about 90% of yeah. the people who are going to watch this video away. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. whatever. Uh, I will go ahead and say, if you watch back the pre-show, we it's not like we get very... We just lightly talk about the realm of politics. It's not like we dived in deep. We don't even like take positions... We're really, exactly. really, really what we did is we complained about how bad politics actually are. But the, the, the point is, exactly. is that I'm not expecting very many people to watch this podcast past that point because they're going to say, oh, my God, I'm not going to listen to this. I don't I don't come here for politics. Um, but anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, 3 p.m. Eastern, Eastern time uh, on the Linux cast uh, YouTube channel. You can watch us live. Otherwise, if you want to catch it afterwards, you can do so uh, either in the video form or an audio form where you can find all that stuff at the linuxcast.org. Before I go, I should take a moment to thank my current patrons. You can support us at patreon.com slash linuxcast. Thanks to Robert, Sid, Devon, Patrick, this is really slow, Fred Kramer, Meglin, Jackson, I'm Tool, Steve A, Sebergill, Linux, Garrick, Samuel, TKB, TGB, Mitchell, J-Dog, Carbon Data, Jeremy, Sean, Odin, Marnie, Andy, Ross, Eduardo, Merrick Camp, Joshua Lee, Peter A, Crucible, Dark Man, Six Primes, and PM. Thanks everybody for watching. We'll see you next time. Jealous. Would not have been able to do that that smoothly.